Texas Prison Story family salute y'all. It's your boy Tim Snow. Back here with another one. If you're not subscribed to the podcast yet on Spotify, make sure you are. Don't miss a thing. The United States incarcerates a larger proportion of its citizens than any other developed country in the world, with about 1.5 million people serving time in prison here. But to anyone who doesn't work or live in a facility, life behind bars largely remains a mystery. The public gets a glimpse of life on the inside only when there are riots, executions, or scandals. As criminologists, we spent nine months interviewing over 800 prisoners in Texas prisons. They told us about their lives before and during prison, as well as their impending return to the community, a journey shared by over 600,000 people each year in this country. We also learned about a significant reality in prison, gangs. Our new book pulls back the curtain on how gangs compete for control and structure in prison life. Gangs do wield major power behind bars, but they are more fractured and have less control than people think. Despite fairly extensive research on street gangs, there's little research on prison gangs themselves. Conducting research in prisons is rare because it's hard to gain access. Prison officials tend to be risk-adverse and loathe to let outsiders inside their walls. Even if researchers get inside, there's the possibility that prisoners will not participate in the interviews. When the topic is gangs, these issues are even larger. That was not our experience. About half of the people we interviewed were affiliated with gangs. Gangs and non-gang prisoners told us, I'd rather talk to you than sit in my cell. They saw the interview as cathartic. They were able to get things off their chest to a neutral party. Prison gangs exploded across the U.S. with the rise of mass incarceration in the 1980s. Texas prisons were mostly gang-free until bloody battles broke out in 1984 and 85 between the Mexican Mafia and Texas Syndicate, as well as the Aaron Brotherhood of Texas and the Mandingo Warriors. 52 prisoners were murdered in a 21-month period that became known as the War Years. Over 50 different gangs were represented in our study. Most of these gangs were active in prison and on the streets. All of the 12 major security threat groups, or STGs as are termed by prison officials, fit the classic view of prison gangs. Organized, conspiratorial, and violent. The remaining gangs are called cliques. If security threat groups are like criminal organizations, cliques are like a band of criminals without clear leadership, direction, or structure. An example of Texas cliques would be the Tango Blast, Crips, Bloods, street gangs, things similar to that. Race and ethnicity matter to all gangs. Geographic proximity is the great social sorter for street gangs. It is race and ethnicity for prison gangs. Nearly all of the prison gangs were composed of a single race or ethnicity. The people we spoke with made it clear that prison gangs in Texas are not what they used to be, however. Prison gangs were described as watered down, no longer having the teeth to enforce their rules, especially the STGs. Few prisoners, including gang members, believe that gangs brought order to prisons or made prisons safer, a claim often made about prison gangs. 
the perception of power is a lot stronger than reality. While gangs may not have an iron fist control over prison life, it would be wrong to think they lack influence. If gang members compose only a minority of prisoners, around 20% in Texas according to our research, how do they wield power? Violence, of course. Gangs use violence to resolve disputes, discipline members, and protect their interests. Stories of violence are passed down across generations to ensure the memory lives on. The war years occurred more than 30 years ago, yet still loom large in the minds of people we interviewed. Gangs bring a different flavor to prison violence. There's a multiplier effect. A violent incident involving a gang member expands the pool of future victims and offenders because of the collective gang identity. Being in a gang means assuming these liabilities yourself. For the uninitiated, prison is scary. People are stripped of their identity, roles, and status from the outside. About half of the prison population is convicted of violent offenses here in Texas. Joining a gang would seem like a pretty good decision in there. Our research reveals that about 10% of inmates in Texas joined a gang for their first time in prison, while another 10% imported their gang affiliation from the street. Status and protection were common reasons for joining a prison gang, much like on the streets. But ideology was also important, such as race supremacy, vigilantism, and other things similar to that. They used them as motivating factors. Still, most prisoners don't end up in prison gangs in Texas. That's true, though. Avoiding gangs is harder in prison than it is on the street. Non-gang members get their affiliation checked and are often recruited when they step onto a prison unit. Those that want to avoid gangs cite their religion, homosexuality, or even status as sex offenders to be left alone. Most gangs have banned them in Texas. It was once believed that once you join a gang, you could never leave that gang for life. Criminologists have dispelled this myth among street gangs. Young people leave gangs regularly, and usually without repercussions like violence. We also found this to be the case in prison, even for the STGs. Disillusionment is the leading reason for leaving. Gang members eventually realize they are sold a bill of goods on gangs. Snitching, victimization, solitary confinement, and delayed parole crystallize discontent with the gang life. Leaving a gang is more difficult in prison, however. Walking away is not a credible option. Gang members sought permission or gave notice of intentions to leave or enrolled in the two-year prison dropout program. Despite decades of effort, breaking the grips on gangs in prison is unsuccessful in Texas. The silver bullet simply doesn't exist. Placing gang members in solitary confinement is thought to be a solution, but that's just a management approach and often groups the leaders together. It applies a band-aid to a bullet wound that can hurt more than help. And one-size-fits-all approaches to rehabilitation ignore the baggage of gang affiliation. To compete for control, gangs need big numbers, which is why focusing on points of entry and exit offers hope for reducing the power of gangs and attracting new members. Stop them before they can join. Doing nothing allows the problem to fester and grow. 
Prisoners today will eventually become the neighbors, religious, congregants, and employees tomorrow. We want people to leave prison in a condition better than they arrived, not worse. That means effective responses to gangs.